Hi, and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Giselle Aguiar, and 2022 starts the third year of this podcast and corresponding blog. I go through the Bible chapter by chapter, guiding you, even if you've never read the Bible before. Right now, I'm going through the Old Testament prophets, revealing how Bible prophecies that were written 700 years before Christ predict not just what was going to happen back then, but what happened when Jesus came. They even predict the end times and last days that are coming true right now. I pray that as you hear God's word, it will inspire you to study the Bible daily for yourself. Seek the truth. I pray that God opens your heart, eyes, and mind to understand what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you. And as you become rooted in the word, you'll also be rooted in hope, joy, and peace. Hey, new year, new life. Let's dig in. Jeremiah 45 to 47, in God we trust. Do we really? Do you? We are at the point in Jeremiah's book where there are no more prophecies per se, just judgments to 10 nations. Remember, his book is not in chronological order. These warnings were just compiled at the end. Some mention events that happened before the sacking of Jerusalem, which is covered again in more detail in chapter 51. Thinking back on the Old Testament writing so far, it's not that these nations didn't know who the God of the Israelites was. As the Israelites moved moved in from Egypt to the Promised Land, we read that many of the kings of the surrounding nations were aware of the miracles and wonders that God had done for the Hebrew people. For instance, the parting of the Red Sea and the Jordan River. Unfortunately, they opted to keep on worshiping their fake gods and idols rather than trusting in the one true God. Well, let's dig in. Oh, but before he gets to the nations, God has a short message for Jeremiah's sidekick, Baruch. Jeremiah 45, a message for Baruch. The prophet Jeremiah gave a message to Baruch, son of Neriah, in the fourth year of the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, after Baruch had written down everything Jeremiah had dictated to him. And he said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to you, Baruch. You have said, I am overwhelmed with trouble. Haven't I had enough pain already? And now the Lord has added more. I am worn out from sighing and can find no rest. Baruch, this is what the Lord says. I will destroy this nation that I built. I will uproot what I planted. Are you seeking great things for yourself? Don't do it. I will bring great disaster upon all these people, but I will give you your life as a reward wherever you go. I, the Lord, have spoken. That was Jeremiah 45, short and sweet. That last verse can apply to us today. Are you seeking great things for yourself? If so, God will humble you at some point. Given that God hates pride, you need to humble yourself first. Everything that you have is from God. He gave you the means to obtain them. You must thank him every day. Furthermore, everything you do should be for his glory, not yours. Our world is on its way out. If you haven't noticed, we are living in the last days. The signs of the times are all over. God's wrath, the great tribulation, and the judgment day is coming and no one or nothing can stop it. Seek his will for your life. Seek his kingdom first. As Jesus told us in Matthew 6, 33, 
Seek the kingdom of God above all else. In other words, first. And live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. Need, not want. Going on, Jeremiah 46, messages for the nations. The following messages were given to Jeremiah the prophet from the Lord concerning foreign nations. Messages about Egypt. This message concerning Egypt was given in the fourth year of the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, the king of Judah, on the occasion of the battle of Carchemish, when Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, and his army were defeated besides the Euphrates River by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. Prepare your shields, advance into battle, harness the horses and mount the stallions. Take your positions, put on your helmets, sharpen your spears, prepare your armor. But what do I see? The Egyptian army flees in terror. The bravest of its fighting men run without a backward glance. They are terrorized at every turn, says the Lord. The swiftest runners cannot flee. The mightiest warriors cannot escape. By the Euphrates River to the north, they stumble and fall. Who is this rising like the Nile at flood time, overflowing all the land? It is the Egyptian army overflowing all the land, boasting that it will cover the earth like a flood, destroying cities and their people. Charge your horses and chariots, attack. You mighty warriors of Egypt, come all you allies from Ethiopia, Libya, and Lydia, who are skilled with the shield and bow. For this is the day of the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies, a day of vengeance on his enemies. The sword will devour until it is satisfied. Yes, until it is drunk with blood. The Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies will receive a sacrifice today in the north country besides the Euphrates River. Go up to Gilead to get medicine, O virgin daughter of Egypt, but your many treatments will bring you no healing. The nations have heard of your shame. The earth is filled with your cries of despair. Your mightiest warriors will run into each other and fall down together. Then the Lord gave the prophet Jeremiah this message about King Nebuchadnezzar's plans to attack Egypt. Shout it out in Egypt. Publish it in the cities of Migdal, Memphis, and Tapanese. Mobilize for battle, for the sword will devour everyone around you. Why have your warriors fallen? They cannot stand, for the Lord has knocked them down. They stumble and fall over each other and say among themselves, come, let's go back to our people, to the land of our birth. Let's get away from the sword of the enemy. There they will say, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, is a loud mouth who missed this opportunity. As surely as I live, says the king, whose name is the Lord of heaven's armies, one is coming against Egypt, who is as tall as Mount Tabor and as Mount Carmel by the sea. Pack up. Get ready to leave for exile, you citizens of Egypt. The city of Memphis will be destroyed without a single inhabitant. Egypt is as sleek as a beautiful heifer, but a horsefly from the north is on its way. Egypt's mercenaries have become like fattened calves. They too will turn and run, for it is a day of great disaster for Egypt, a time of great punishment. Egypt flees, silent as a serpent gliding away. The invading armies marches in. The invaded army marches in. They come against her with axes like woodsmen. They will cut down her people like trees, says the Lord, for they are more numerous than locusts. Egypt will be humiliated. She will be handed over to people from the north. 
The Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says, I will punish Ammon, the God of Thebes and all the other gods of Egypt. I will punish its rulers, Pharaoh too, and all who trust in him. I will hand them over to those who want them killed to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon and his army, but afterward the land will recover from the ravages of war. I, the Lord, have spoken. But do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant. Do not be dismayed, Israel, for I will bring you home again from distant lands and your children will return from their exile. Israel will return to a life of peace and quiet and no one will terrorize them. That's got to be in the far future because right now there's tons of people terrorizing them. Do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant, for I am with you, says the Lord. I will completely destroy the nations to which I have exiled you, but I will not completely destroy you. I will discipline you, but with justice. I cannot let you go unpunished. Jeremiah 46. Pastor Sandy comments, the Battle of Carchemish in 605 BC was one of the most pivotal and important in all of human history. It was the Waterloo or the Bull Run or the Normandy of ancient times. Egypt had dominated the world for a thousand years, but eastward, the Babylonians were on the rise. In 607 BC, the Egyptian army moved north. As they passed through the Valley of Megiddo, they defeated the Judean King Josiah. He'd acted foolishly and sided with Babylon. He tried to attack Egypt and was killed in battle. Pharaoh Necho marched his army all the way to the Euphrates River and the Syrian city of Carchemish. For four years, he harassed and attacked the Babylonians. And in the spring of 605 BC, the Babylonians planned a surprise attack against Carchemish and routed Egypt. The Egyptians withdrew from the region, leaving Judah, Edom, and Moab for the Babylonian army to plunder. Eventually, Babylon marched all the way to Egypt and in 568 BC conquered the land of the Nile. And that's Pastor Sandy Adams. Well, here's some key points. Now, ironically, the Egyptian cities mentioned in the second part there were, the, are, were where the Jews decided to flee to. Mount Tabor and Mount Carmel were daunting mountains in the northern region of Israel. As daunting as they were, the Babylonian army was way worse, like a swarm of locusts. Nothing can stop them. Nevertheless, the Jews will be disciplined, but not destroyed. Currently, Egypt is doing okay and has a treaty with Israel. They actually are the intermediaries between the Palestinians in Gaza and the Israeli government. However, in the end, God will judge all the nations, all the nations, and all means all, and purify Israel. Continuing, Jeremiah 47, a message about Philistia. This is the Lord's message to the prophet Jeremiah concerning the Philistines of Gaza before it was captured by the Egyptian army. This is what the Lord said. A flood is coming from the north to overflow the land. It will destroy the land and everything in it, cities and people alike. People will scream in terror and everyone in the land will wail. Hear the clatter of stallions' hooves and the rumble of wheels as the chariots rush by. Terrified fathers run madly without a backward glance at their helpless children. The time has come for the Philistines to be destroyed, along with their allies from Tyre and Sidon. Yes, the Lord is destroying the remnant of the Philistines, those colonists from the island of Crete. 
Gaza will be humiliated, its head shaved bald. Ashkelon will lie silent. You remnant from the Mediterranean coast, how long will you cut yourselves in the morning? Morning, morning, morning. Crying, not morning, daylight. Now, or sword of the Lord, when will you be at rest again? Go back into your sheath, rest and be still. But how can it be still when the Lord has sent it on a mission? For the city of Ashkelon and the people living along the sea must be destroyed. That's Jeremiah 47. So here are some key points there. The Philistines were vicious warriors. That's where Goliath was from. Yet they never accepted the one true God and continued worshiping their fake gods. Ultimately, they finally felt God's wrath. A flood or rising waters is an idiom for a vast invading army. Since 1948, Ashkelon has flourished as a world leader in citrus production. Its restoration was prophesied in Zephaniah chapter 2, and we covered Zephaniah um, oh, a few weeks ago. You can click on over to my blog if you want to check out um, that little short prophetic book. God doesn't punish because he wants to. He has to like a loving parent disciplining a child who misbehaves. Sin has to be punished. As Paul wrote in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Who do you trust? Have you ever wondered who thought up the idea of putting in God we trust on US currency? Well, it began with a pastor. W.R. Watkinson from Ridleyville, Pennsylvania, who wrote his congressman, S.P. Chase, a letter on November 13, 1861. A week later, the congressman wrote James Pollock, director of the U.S. Mint, this letter. Quote, no nation can be strong except in the strength of God or safe except in his defense. The trust of our people in God should be declared on our national coins. Will you cause a device to be prepared without delay with a motto expressing in the finest and tersest words possible this national recognition, unquote. That was Congressman S.P. Chase in 1861. We're living in the last days. It's pretty obvious when you look around the world today that you must put your trust in God and not in any government, political leader, status, fame, or money. And, you know, uh, for further reading, click on over to my blog. I've got um, um, some links to other studies that I've done and, and um, articles, the signs of the times, what is the rapture, and then my study on the book of, the Re book of Revelation. Um, you need to understand what's going on and you shouldn't be watching the news you should be reading the bible because the and, and everything that's going on in the world right now is basically was basically predicted in the bible god is in control might not look like it might not feel like it but he is but it's your choice moreover it's a choice that you need to make right now while you're still alive and coherent i don't know if you've noticed but a few too many people have died rather quickly no prolonged illness, hearts just stop, or blood clots to the lungs or brain. Interestingly enough, the causes aren't revealed. We don't know if there were underlying medical conditions. 
Obviously, I won't speculate if they are related to any particular medical procedures. If you're a born-again believer, the moment you die, you'll be with Jesus. If the rapture comes first, we who are alive will be caught up in the air to meet Jesus in the clouds. The rapture could happen at any moment. And, and um, go click on over to my blog, and I embedded a video um, from... Um, uh, today or yesterday of um, two pastors, Bible prophecy uh, preachers that I keep up with. And it's, it's they're talking about the rapture. So um, very uh, informative video. Um, but you really don't want to be left behind to face the great tribulation. So if you're not sure if you're saved or not, if you truly want to be born again and have the assurance of salvation, receive the Holy Spirit and get a one-way nonstop ticket to heaven after you die, or that you won't be left behind at the rapture. What you have to do is believe, have faith that Jesus is the Christ and he died taking your sins away forever and that he rose from the dead three days later. Repent of your sins, stop sinning. Do a complete 180 degree turn in your life and surrender your life to him. Be baptized, show the world and yourself that you have died to your old life and are born again in Christ and receive the Holy Spirit in your heart. So what are you waiting for? Invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift of grace and the confident hope of eternal life. You don't know what to say. If you don't know what to do, there's a prayer in the show notes, or you can click on over to my blog and click where it says how to invite Jesus into your heart. And again, you got to go check out the video. It's with uh, Pastor Tom Hughes and Dr. Andy Woods. Um, is the rapture false teaching? Check it out. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Are you a born-again Christian with Catholic friends or family members? Have you struggled with how to bring up the truth of Jesus' salvation? I had the same problem, so I put together a free ebook, The Catholic Mission Field in Our Backyards. It's a guide to help you start the conversation and plant the seed that will get them thinking, am I missing something? Check it out. It's a free download on my website. You'll find the link in the show notes. Oh, please let me know if it helped you. If you're a born-again believer helping a Catholic friend or family member start reading the Bible, it's a great idea to give them one. But which version or translation would be a good one for them? There are too many to choose from. As a former Catholic, it helped me to have a Bible translation in plain, everyday English. And I know many evangelical Christians are very much attached to the King James Version. That's fine if that's what you grew up with. Remember, Catholics have grown up with priests and nuns telling them they don't need to read the Bible. All they have to do is trust the church to teach them what they need to know, only they don't, and that's the problem. When I first started going back to church, a well-meaning friend told me to get a King James Version. Well, guess what? I got frustrated with the these and thous and stopped reading it, totally defeating the purpose. Eventually, I got the new international version, or the NIV, and that was the best for a new Christian to get into the habit of reading the Bible daily. Today, I also study from the New King James Version, or NKJV, and the New Living Translation, the NLT. I'm now an affiliate of Christian Book Distributors, and I've chosen three study Bibles 
that would be a great gift for that Catholic or progressive friend whom you'd like to help get into the habit of reading the Bible daily. They are also a great, they're also great for the new Christian believer. Check them out. The link is in the show notes. And by the way, all commissions will be donated to one or more of the Bible translating ministries listed on my site. So give the gift of the word of God and help spread the word while you're at it. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.